Welcome to The Saint Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring hope to the people of East London, and I'm praying that you would feel so encouraged by this week's talk. First, I want to just begin by welcoming you. Um, If you're here for the first time tonight, if you haven't got a seat, um, if you're standing at the back, there are some seats. Just um, go find them. They're there. You might have to like squeeze through a row to find them, but um, there are seats around. And um, how's everyone doing? Is everyone all right? Good, good. Glad to hear it. I want to start with some welcomes. Um, uh, It's so good to have Amanda. Where's Amanda gone? Uh, Our friend Amanda here tonight as part of the team. So we love you, Amanda. Thank you for coming along tonight. We're really excited you're here as part of the team. And um, also we found out we have a whole bunch of people on live stream. This is so fun, okay? We basically have a lot of the worship team's mums who watch on live stream each week. Um, and some grannies. So here we go. Are you ready? I'm going to do some shout-outs to Kaz's mum. Come on, guys. Come on. It's Kaz's mum. Dylan's mum. Come on, everyone. And then my favorite one of all, Nate's grandma, Belle. Belle in Northern Ireland. Nate, come on up. Come on. Come on up. Come on up. Do you want, do you want to say anything to your grand? Come on. She's watching on live stream right now. Hi, Granny. <laughs> Hope you're well. Um, yeah, that's it. Oh, that's great. That'll do. Oh, sorry. That'll do. Great. Oh, so good. Can we just give it up one more time for Granny Bell? <laughs> Love that. May we all grow up to be Granny Bell one day. Um, so listen, a couple of bits of housekeeping that we, we would normally have done with our kind of video and all that kind of stuff, but we've kind of cut that tonight. But um, two things I need you to know about. This Thursday evening, we have uh, a Renaissance collective gathering. It's like the first one we've ever done down in Shoreditch. And if you want to find out more, you can get online. It's going to be an amazing night. We're not saying too much about who's involved and what's going on. We just want, if you want to come along and be there, you will not want to miss out. It's going to be a great night. So that's this Thursday night. You can find out all the details on our website. Um, and the second thing to let you know about is... Um, just over the last few weeks, when I've been talking to other friends and different pastors, we just sense God is doing something exciting and new, and we can't, we don't really know what he's doing, uh, but there's like a, just a sense that he's doing, he's on the move and doing good things. And so um, we're going to do something we've never done before, and I'm really excited about it, but on the 20th of March, that's in like not tomorrow night, Monday night, but the Monday night after, we're going to gather actually in here, doors are going to open at 7pm with three churches from across East London bringing all their people down together to gather without an agenda. It's not going to be called anything. There's going to be no flyer. There's going to be no like names on the flyer or anything like that. We're just going to gather um, a church called KXC, King's Cross Church, uh, which is an amazing community, amazing church. We love those guys. And a church called Imprint, um, which is again an amazing community. And we just feel talking as friends among the leadership of those churches that this is a moment for the, the church to come together in unity to worship Jesus and to seek God's face for what he wants to do in our generation. So that's exciting, isn't it? Even that happening um, has got to be a good thing. And so um, please make that a priority in your diary. You can, um, we're not going like, to advertise it outside of St. Um, and out of, outside of KXC and outside of Imprint. But if you want to bring friends down, other churches, you're welcome to. It's not going to be cool with anything. It's just going to be a night. We're going to open doors at seven. We're going to see what happens. We're going to make space for Jesus to do what he wants to do. And so I'm going to look forward to that. 
Uh, tonight is part two of our All In campaign, and if you were not here last week, um, we had an amazing time. I'd love to encourage you to go back and listen on our YouTube or wherever you kind of, um, I guess, podcast or whatever um, you listen to stuff on. But uh, two bits of paper that you have on your seat. One is um, a little update, a kind of family photo of what's been happening in the community of this, uh, this story of this community over the last kind of six months. So this is a, a little snapshot of what's going on. You can kind of unfold it. It has like details of all that's going on, amazing stuff happening. I'm not going to go through it. I'm just going to let you, um, if you haven't already read it, read it in your own time. The second is a give card. Uh, And later on, we're going to take up a special offering. We do this twice a year towards the work that God is calling us to here. And you'll see if you look inside the all-in kind of brochure here, uh, the offering that we're taking up uh, over these couple of weeks is towards our target of 582,000 380 pounds. And that is the cost of kind of turning our vision as a church community into reality. The difference between what we know is coming in or we think we know is coming in and what we know we're getting called to do in terms of lighthouse, youth work, youth east. Uh, The list is very long and you can see all that's going on in here. We now meet across five locations that may go up in the next few months to a number more locations. Basically, we are really crying out to God in this moment for him to move, particularly among young people in East London. So that's why we're doing what we're doing today. We're sharing the vision I shared last week where we feel God calling us to go. And then tonight, really, we're making space to take up an offering. And uh, you might be here and you might be thinking, well, I've joined the church. I don't have 580 whatever thousand pounds, but I can give five pounds. That's great. You're under no obligation to give anything. Equally, you might be here and like, you might have 500,000 pounds you're trying to get rid of, in which case, great. You know, we could, we'll pray for you extra hard. But no, the point is this. You know, every single one of us gets the privilege of being involved in this. Whether you're here as a new person, whether you've just come to faith, a part of this community, we don't want you to miss out. And I'll say more about that in a moment. So uh, let me pray as we begin. Is that all right? I'm really sorry. If you haven't yet got a seat, we're going to get your seat at the back. Um, Campbell is putting out seats for you, which is like a VIP treatment. Can we get it up for Campbell? So good. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you've been doing over these last few weeks. We thank you for the All In campaign, for what you did last Sunday. Lord, we thank you for people who are coming to know you. Lord, we thank you for the 10 services meeting in person across Saint today, the stories of life and hope and freedom that are coming through. And Lord Jesus, we just give the room to you tonight. We give our hearts to you. We pray that every word I speak that is of you would hit hard in our hearts and anything that's not of you would fall to the ground. And Lord, tonight we just pray that you'd speak to each one of us about how we can play our part in this. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm not gonna speak for very long because I wanna have more space for worship in a moment, but our passage tonight comes from Mark's Gospel, chapter 14. Have a little look on the screens or if you have a Bible, um, have a look, oh, Uh, chapter 12, sorry. Have a look with me in your Bible. And it's verse 41 through to 44, and I'm going to read this to you. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few pence. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Three quick thoughts as we consider how we might respond to this all-in campaign, 
how we might respond with our generosity tonight. Three quick thoughts to share. First thing, Jesus sees. Jesus sees. Verse 41, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Now, I find this passage fascinating and kind of problematic. Like, isn't money a deeply private thing? Like, shouldn't giving in church be like a secret thing? It's none of your business what I do with my money. But Jesus does seem to think it's his business. And consequently, he's interested in what we're doing today. I mean, imagine like taking up the offering and Jesus walks in the door and comes and sits at the front and watches what you do tonight. How would you feel? What would be going on in your heart? And that's what he does in this passage. He arranges like a road trip for his disciples and they go and they sit at the place where they take up the offering at the temple. And they sit there waiting. And then Jesus says, hey, 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 look, here she comes. Point is this, Jesus sees what you and I spend our money on. You know how like if you have Monzo or Revolut or, or an app, like you spend something. Do you ever have that? And it pings you a notification. You have three pence left for the rest of the month. Do you ever get that? Like it's helpful and intimidating and a little bit alarming at times. But instantly, as soon as you spend the money, the notification comes through because the transaction is pinged to your phone. How much more does God know what we spend every penny on? He's interested in what's in your bank, what's in your heart. We can't hide from God. We can't fool God. You know, one of the passages I find most challenging about money in the New Testament, a church experiencing revival, amazing things happening. They held all things in common. No one had anything in need. The power of God poured out. It's like, wow. And then you get to a guy called Ananias and his wife, Sapphira. You know the story? And they hide themselves from God, like Adam and Eve did in the garden. They, they turn away and they say they're going to do one thing with their money and they do another thing. What the scripture says is they actually lie to the Holy Spirit. Now take note, don't do that tonight. It's not a gift day message that preaches very well from Ananias and Sapphira, but the warning is there for us. Let's not take God for granted. Let's not hide ourselves from God. There's no Swiss bank account. There's no ISA. There's no sock up the chimney or cash under the mattress that we can hide from God. He knows every penny, and that's good. And it reminds us that we can't hide our weaknesses from God either. Like if you're here tonight and you're struggling with money, get help. If you're spiraling into debt or you're addicted to gambling or you're, 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 you're struggling with substance abuse that's eating up your income, you're making unhealthy choices, don't walk out the door without having given that to Jesus tonight. He has the power to heal. He has practical tools to help you, like CAP, the money course. We can help encourage you. We've got a hardship fund if you need help in an emergency basis. You're not on your own. Money does not need to be either a source of fear or a source of idolatry in your life. And Jesus wants you to be free. The last few Sundays, God has been doing amazing things. And I'm not just saying that because it's like my job to be a cheerleader for Jesus at the front. In fact, I want to do the opposite. I'm noticing when I speak to you 
Stories of people who are coming and experiencing God working in their lives. And it's the fruit that proves that God is on the move. It's the fruit of God in your life. And if you ask me what I think is going on, I don't really know. All I know is I see good fruit and we're gonna keep praying and keep saying, Jesus, we want you to come and lead our services and do whatever you wanna do. We want marriages restored. We want a call to holiness. We want a return to the heart of worship. You know, people are falling into the arms of Jesus. The last couple of Sundays, we think over 116 people have made commitments to follow Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Maybe you're one of them here. I'm looking around, I can see a few of you. You know, just know that you're falling into the kingdom of God in a moment when Jesus is on the move and he's doing really exciting things and you're the answer to our prayers. But often, you know, the last part of us to be converted is our wallet. You know, we'll come down the front and say, Jesus, I give you my heart, I give you my life. I don't want to live another day or waste another day of my life living outside of your plan for me. But then the hardest part of us sometimes to be converted is our bank account. Martin Luther said it like this, there are three conversions necessary, the conversion of the heart, the conversion of the mind, and the conversion of the purse. Well, today is kind of like, this is kind of like an altar call for the wallet. Like, let's not waste our lives walking around partially converted to Jesus. That's not how God wants us to live. That's why we go all in with him. And that's what we're praying for today. Not an outpouring of massive financial generosity. I'm not worried about the numbers. God will work that out. What I want is every single one of us who calls this church home to move from being a consumer to being a contributor. Change your heart. And your theology will be measured in the numbers, how you spend your money, in what you do with your time, your talent, and your treasure. Second thing I sense when I read this passage is not just, just Jesus see what we do, but secondly, Jesus calls. Notice the words in verse 43, calling his disciples to him, Jesus said. Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. You see what Jesus is doing here? He's gathered his disciples together, come and watch the offering being taken up, and then he calls them to him. Notice that. He calls his disciples. He doesn't call the whole crowd. It's not an evangelistic message. He says, hey, if you want to follow me, you want to learn from me, let me teach you. And two things to note. Firstly, God's economics are not the same as our economics. Do we have any economists here? Hands up if you did economics at university. Wow, one person. Can we just give it up for you? Oh, two, two, two. Okay. Okay, I'll lower the bar a little bit. How about any accountants? Anyone has done accountancy or maths at university? Just raise a hand. Like, again, two of you. Okay, it's great. We're at the creative service. I get that. Um, hands up if you're like the flatmate who does the bills each month on behalf of the other flatmates. Hands up if that's you. With no sense of bitterness do they raise their hands tonight. Like, yeah, that's me. I have to do the bills each month because no one else is going to care about it. Well, here's a riddle for you guys. When is two pounds worth more than two million pounds? When is two pounds 
worth more than two million pounds? The answer is when it's given in obedience to Jesus. When it's given in obedience to Jesus. Jesus says this to this woman who we know puts in two tiny copper coins, like two 1P coins. He says she put in more. You don't have to be an economist to know that there are two groups. The wealthy putting in loads of cash, that's wonderful. Here is a woman putting in 2P. And Jesus says she's putting in more. Why? Well, she was giving out of a place of total obedience and surrender to God. And we learn that that's actually all she had. You see, it's not about the maths. God will do the maths. It's not about the money. You're under no obligation to give, except that obligation that God would lay on your heart as a disciple of Jesus tonight. And one day, every one of us will give account before God, not just for how we live our lives, but what we did with our time and our talents and our treasure, how we spent our money. And so this is actually a discipleship issue I'm teaching you on tonight. If you come up to me and say in the next months and weeks and, and, and years ahead and say, hey, I, I want to grow in my discipleship life. I want to get more you know, good at reading the Bible. Often I'll start saying, well, do you know, do you pray? Come and pray. Do you, do you give regularly? Do you help others? And those are like the building blocks where we start in our discipleship journey. That's why we encourage those who are members of this church to do that. And if you're here tonight or you're listening online and you've not yet given your life to Jesus, if you're walking without him, maybe you've grown up as a Christian, but you've, it's been like the embers are there, but the flame has gone. Please do not leave tonight without having had a chance to commit your life to Jesus. In a moment, I'm going to pray and make it possible if that's you. You know, when it says give on the give card, give your heart tonight. And there might be one person that we're going to wait for a little bit later. But the greatest gift that can happen this gift day is that if you give your life to Jesus. Those of us who are committed Christians, who are part of this church community, you know, I've read the Bible. It's not really something that we can discuss with God. It, it, it's assumed that we give if we're part of a church. It's part of our discipleship. Four times in the New Testament, Jesus says, when you give, when you give, when you give, when you give. And I searched this really hard. Not once in the Bible, in the New Testament, in the teaching of Jesus or the teaching of the epistles or the book of Acts, Revelation, not once does it say, if you give. It's assumed that as a disciple of Jesus, we'll give. That's why Jesus teaches on money, not because he's obsessed with money, but because he wants you and I to be free from the love of money so he can work in our lives. We can be free to do whatever he wants us to do. Take the parables of Jesus. You know, the most famous teaching on the planet, 38 parables that are household names. They are so well known all around the world, different cultures. The teaching of Jesus is widely regarded as being unparalleled. Every parable, an absolute classic, 38 of them. But did you know this? Have you ever noticed how many of them are about money and possessions? Almost half of them, 16 out of 38. Point is this. 
if Jesus' teaching about forgiveness is utterly liberating, if his call around justice is utterly transformative, then surely his teaching and his vision for your life and my life around generosity must be utterly revolutionary. Amen? Some of us in this room tonight are called tonight to be radically generous. Maybe God's blessed you with the means to do that. Others in the room tonight, maybe you're called to be radically trusting that as you start to give, God will provide for you. But all of us tonight are called. Jesus calls his disciples. He says, come and see. And then the final thing tonight Not as only does Jesus see, not only does Jesus call tonight, but the third thing and final thing is that Jesus cares. He cares. He cares for you. He wants you to live a life of obedience to him. Verse 44, it says this, they gave, they all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. It's tempting when we read this passage to go, isn't that irresponsible of Jesus? Shouldn't he have stopped her and said, hang on, you've only got two coins. It's all you've got. Stop. Surely, you know, hang on a minute. I mean, that poor old widow, didn't she bankrupt herself on the altar of her faith? I mean, she gave everything. Let me ask you this question. And it's an important question. Do you think that widow would have gone to her grave penniless? Threadbare, destitute, of course not. Jesus had come to get a ringside seat with his friends at one of the most legendary acts of generosity in all of human history. The story of the widow's might is still told today. Here we are tonight talking about it. The news had obviously reached Jesus in advance that something extraordinary was about to happen. It was like the chatter in heaven on the heavenly WhatsApp, like she's coming, she's coming to church today, you're not gonna believe it. She's emptied her whole piggy bank. Here she comes, no one's, like the angels were like, hold her back, hold her back. The Lord's like, no, she's about to do something extraordinary, like the alabaster jar, like the pouring out of, of perfume on the feet of Jesus. Here is a woman who is dead set on making room for Jesus in her life. And do we not think that God, the God who clothes the lilies, is more than capable of clothing her and caring for her and taking care for her for the rest of her days? You know, I can't wait to meet that widow when we get to heaven. I guarantee you, with every fiber of my being, she ain't going to be penniless when we see her. Because when we surrender our lives to Jesus, when we stretch ourselves and we give sacrificially, what happens is it releases an extraordinary sense of God's favor. Not his blessing necessarily. You don't believe that we give in order that we might get. It doesn't work like that. What happens is we give our lives, our hearts, our wallets, our time, our talents, our treasure. What happens is we experience God's presence, his favor on us, his smile. We don't know what happens next. We don't read of the widow again. But I can tell you what the church looks like. In the book of Acts, they were famous for love. Their generosity, legendary. It says they gave. They cared for the orphans and the widows. And not one person among them was in need. 
So as we come into land, I'm gonna disappoint a few of you. We don't teach a prosperity gospel here. We don't teach a fixed amount you should give. We don't wanna do fundraising with you tonight. We don't want you to feel any pressure. I can give you a wonderful long list of the things that you're all doing that we wanna resource and God willing we will and we'll see amazing things happen with young people and homeless people and planting churches and good things. Don't worry, that's Thomas, my friend. We'll see good things happen here. But we're not here to do that tonight. Instead, the message I want you to leave with tonight is God doesn't need your money. He's gonna do it anyway. He's already moving. Instead, what he wants is you to be invited to come to the offering tonight and put what you can in as you're led by him because he wants you to be part of the adventure that he's calling us on as a community. In the same way, if you're here tonight and you don't yet know Jesus, he doesn't need your heart. He doesn't need your life. Let me tell you this, Jesus has been praying for you day and night that you wouldn't leave tonight walking alone, that you would give your life as an offering tonight because he doesn't want you to miss out on the adventure he has for you. He loves you. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Starts with the generosity of God at the cross. And here tonight, we have an opportunity to give of ourselves in response. I wonder what God might be saying to you tonight. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. If you'd like to find out more, give or connect with us, visit our website, saint.church. Have a great week and we'll see you soon.